Yo, this is the Ancient Texan. We're going through a book called um, When Things Fall Apart by Pima Kadron. And we're on chapter 10. Curious about existence. This is kind of a Buddhist philosophy if you're stepping into the middle of this. If you are, a lot of this is going to sound really strange. But if you think about it, get off a... You know, we're so loaded up with assumptions and stories that it's actually hard for us to think about a new idea. And we tend to think we know it. So... If that's, you know, your mindset, then this is probably not going to make much sense to you. Recognize impermanence and suffering and egolessness at the kitchen sink level and be inquisitive about your reactions. Find out for yourself about peace and whether or not it's true that our fundamental situation is joyful. That's kind of the... Introduction to the chapter. There are three truths, traditionally called three marks, of our existence. Impermanence, suffering, and egolessness. Now, as we go through this, they're going to say that each of these, impermanence, suffering, and egolessness, is what's actually there. And... That's our reality. Um, And when we try to think differently or pretend it isn't so, uh, we actually make things worse. That's kind of the punchline before we get to it. There's nothing wrong with impermanence, suffering, and egolessness. They can be celebrated. Our fundamental situation is joyful. It all sounds like a contradiction, and I hope it will become clear as we go through here. It's almost clear for me, (laughs) I pretend. Impermanence is the goodness of reality. Impermanence is the essence of everything. It's babies becoming children, then teenagers, then adults, then old people and somewhere along the way, dropping dead. Impermanence is meeting and departing. It's falling in love and falling out of love. Impermanence is bittersweet, like buying a new shirt and years later finding it as a part of a patchwork quilt. This, you know, we kind of fight against this our whole life. You know, the idea of arriving, getting somewhere, having something nice I'm when I get my new car. The idea that your new car will become an old car and it's all part of a cycle and that everything's changing. And generally, you know, thanks to entropy, everything's kind of going downhill. That's just, that's just the way it is. Um, our whole life is an example of that. Somehow, in the process of trying to deny that things are always changing, we lose our sense of the sacredness of life. We tend to forget that we are part 
of the natural scheme of things. Life is sacred and precious because it is impermanent. If it, we live forever, it's kind of hard to actually fathom those such things from the point of view of where we sit and since we sit in an impermanent world then thinking of living forever sounds like wonderful uh, but that's only because of our uh, it's wonderful because uh, impermanence actual impermanence and the way things is makes it sound incredibly good impermanence is a principle of harmony when we don't struggle against it we are in harmony with the reality many culture cultures celebrate this connectedness there are some ceremonies marking all the transitions of life from birth to death as well as meetings and partings going into battle losing the battle winning the battle we too could acknowledge respect and celebrate impermanence it's the change the evolving the being what about suffering why would we celebrate suffering doesn't that sound masochistic our suffering is based so much on our fear of impermanence our pain is so rooted in our one-sided lopsided view of reality whoever got the idea that we could have pleasure without pain is promoted rather widely in this world and we buy into it but pain and pleasure go together they are inseparable they can be celebrated they are ordinary birth is painful and delightful death is painful and delightful everything that ends is also the beginning of something else pain is not a punishment pleasure is not a reward while wow, i get that whole paragraph till i get down to that pleasure is not a reward that one i have to think about because i've always kind of treated pleasure as a reward um most obvious one is you know sex and the pleasure that comes with that and that being a reward and you know you're doing something right in life when you get a good lay but on a anatomical level uh pleasure is just a sensation you know it's what gets the serotonin and the you know pleasure hormones flowing and makes us take action that kind of celebrate and promote the human race. Um anyway, I'm going to have to work on that little nuance of that. Inspiration and wretchedness are inseparable. We always want to get rid of misery rather than see how it works together with joy. The point isn't to cultivate one thing as opposed to another, but to relate properly to where we are. Inspiration and wretchedness complement each other. With only inspiration, we become arrogant. With only wretchedness, we lose our vision.
Feeling inspired cheers us up, making us realize how vast and wonderful our world is. Feeling wretched humbles us, the gloriousness of our inspiration. connects us with the sacredness of the world. But when the tables are turned and we feel wretched, that softens us up. It ripens our hearts. It becomes the ground for understanding others. Both the inspiration and the wretchedness can be celebrated. Oh. The bad times make you appreciate the good times. Um, the, the bad times build character. And so when you get to that good time, you can really celebrate it. Now we go on to egolessness. Can we also celebrate egolessness? Often we think of egolessness as a great loss but actually it's a gain. Egolessness is the same thing as basic goodness or Buddha nature, an unconditional being. It's what we have and never really lose. Ego could be defined as whatever covers up basic goodness. Ego in this sense is kind of the cloak you put on um, the raincoat, the outfit, the image that you show the world. And underneath that is you, the real you. And even this cloak, this ego, is often what you put on before you look at yourself in the mirror. Um, it's getting your hair just right, your you know, you're tanned, you're whatever makes you think you feel good about yourself, you know, the degree, um, the promotion, the job, all those packagings that you put around yourself to make you feel okay, that's like putting this cloak you're putting on as your ego. And underneath that is the real you that it's hard to get to know as long as you keep the cloak on. It's covering up our experience of just being here, just fully being where we are, so that we can relate with immediacy to our experience. Egolessness is a state of mind that has complete confidence in the sacredness of the world. It is unconditional well-being, unconditional joy, that includes all the different qualities of our experience. Life's supposed to be like this. What your experience, all humans have experienced. Um, it's kind of the way it's supposed to be. Uh, and you have to accept it and deal with what's coming at you the best you can. So how do we celebrate impermanence, suffering, and egolessness in our everyday lives? When impermanence presents itself in our lives, we can recognize it as impermanence. That's kind of like the first step. When someone's born, recognize it as impermanence. When someone dies, recognize it as impermanence. When your car gets stolen, recognize it as impermanence. 
When you fall in love, recognize it as impermanence and let that intensify the preciousness. When a relationship ends, recognize it as impermanence. Just be in the moment and appreciate the good things you got because they're all temporary and they're all sacred and they're all precious. Then we can recognize our reaction to impermanence. Usually we just react habitually to events in our lives. We become resentful or delighted, excited or disappointed. There's no intelligence involved, no cheerfulness. We go, crap, something bad happened, I feel bad. Most of the time I got laid off. It wasn't really, it wasn't like the world picked on you and laid you off. That's what's happened to people and circumstances. But we can recognize impermanence as impermanence. We can also notice that our reaction, we can also notice what our reaction to impermanence is. This is called mindfulness, awareness, curiosity, inquisitiveness, paying attention. Whatever we call it, it's a very helpful practice, the practice of coming to know ourselves completely. When you recognize something for what it is, impermanence, suffering, whatever it is, and can be with it, and know what it is, um, and separate that out from yourself, that's part of getting to know yourself better in reality. When suffering arises in our lives, we can recognize it as suffering. When we become ill, when we're getting old, when we are dying, then we can be curious, notice, and be mindful of our reactions to it. Again, usually we're either resentful and feel cheated somehow or we're delighted. But whatever our reaction is, it's usually habitual. Instead, we could see the next impulse come up and how we spin off from there. Spinning off is neither good nor bad. It's just something that happens as a reaction to the pleasure and pain of our existence. We can simply see that without judgment. The way I put that is we can see ourselves spinning off into a story that we're making up and we're tying it to our historical patterns and what's happened to us. I want to make a whole podcast on that because um, it, it's a useful tool for me. That might be for you too. When egolessness arises, we can recognize it as egolessness. A fresh moment, a clear perception of a smell or a sight or a sound, a feeling of opening to emotions or thoughts rather than closing off our narrow, limited selves. We can be aware of what's happening without a lot of emotion and baggage attached to it. This is suffering. This is impermanence. And then we can see our own reaction to it if we've learned how to be mindful. And in some ways it kind of frees us to have another reaction, uh, to have another pattern of thought, another way of looking at it, and hence another way of acting and being. Um, and living. When we perceive the spaciousness in our life, when we sense a gap in the continual conversation we have with ourselves, when we suddenly notice what's in front of us, 
when we take a fresh, clear, unedited look at reality. We can recognize it as egolessness. It doesn't have to be a big deal. Curiously enough, we also experience egolessness when we don't know what's happening, when we've lost our reference point, when we get a shock and our mind is stopped. The way she said this before uh, is when the rug gets pulled out from underneath us, that sometimes lets us stop and be mindful of what's happening. We can notice our reactions to that. Sometimes we open up further, sometimes we quickly shut down. Often peace is taught as the fourth mark of existence. This isn't the peace that's the opposite of war. It's the well-being that comes when we see the infinite pairs of opposites as complementary. When we start really realizing, you know, about impermanence and suffering and egolessness, um, there's a certain amount of peace that comes that, with that. If there is beauty, there must be ugliness. If there is right, there is wrong. Wisdom and ignorance cannot be separated. Oh, I think that's a good thing to remember in the political environment we're living in right now. Cultivating moment-to-moment curiosity. We might just find that day by day this kind of peace dawns on us. I, I think I've got a lot more peaceful and happy. Um, these last few years, um, by meditation, mindfulness, by understanding myself and the stories and the whole progression of what happens to me when an event, uh, good or bad, occurs to me. Look for the living quality of the Dharma. Recognize impermanence and suffering and egolessness at the kitchen sink level and be inquisitive about your reactions, your own reactions. Find out yourself about peace and whether or not it's true that our fundamental situation is joyful. This is something you have to discover that if you can get all this baggage out of your head and look at life a little simpler and with more peace, that life becomes more joyful, precious, sacred. This is the ancient Texan, and I'm grateful for each of you listeners. I sometimes wonder, there's now 14% of listeners are in Ireland. Um, sometimes wondering who that is out there in Ireland. And there's some in Great Britain and 2% in Canada. Um, it's actually some in South Africa and a few other countries. Pretty cool, even though there's not many of us. I'm grateful for each one of you, and I actually, in some imaginary way, look forward to talking with you. Hope you have a great day. This is the Ancient Texan. Namaste.
Yo, this is the ancient Texan, an earthling, hoping we all can learn to live and play well together on this small and delicate planet we call home. May we all honor the sacred in our fellow inhabitants. Namaste.